sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Rise and shine, sports fans. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Tuesday, September 8th. Let's cock-a-doodle-do it. This is the early line right here on Sports Grid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez, and as always, I got my main man, Kevin the Candle Burner Walsh, with me live and direct as we give you all the information you need to hopefully make it a profitable day and put the fun in functional sports content at the same time. Kevin. We're past Labor Day. It is officially week one. We're going to get into the NFL season. The NBA playoffs are going on. The NHL playoffs are at the conference final. We saw a triple crown race over the weekend, Kev. We've been talking about how September is going to be chock full of sports, and we are here, brother man. Yeah, it is fantastic. I mean, the, the NFL season, there's really no more time for us to be like, man, it's so cool. No, it's here. It's here. Uh, it's in full force. And as you've mentioned, uh, you know, all of these other sports are kind of getting to their peak. The stretch run of the baseball season as well. Uh, what a fortunate time to be a sports fan. Yeah, absolutely. And we will get into football all week long. We got our guy Davis Maddock joining the show in our two. We look forward to that. We'll be giving you everything from DFS values, diamonds and fugazis on the waiver wire later on in the season, picks and plays and leans. But Kevin, like usual over the last couple of weeks, we start with the NBA playoffs. And listen, this was going to be an important game five because after the miracle OG Anobi shot, Toronto gets game four, evens up this series, but boy, Kevin, does Boston respond. I mean, holding Toronto to only 11 points in the first quarter, they had that working margin, and they never relinquished it as the Celtics won 111 to 89. Kev, we have been talking about this. Where would the Raptors truly get their offense from, right, if it slowed down, if it became half court? Who are they going to rely on? Who is that closer? Well, Kev, I am still searching for who that person is. It wasn't Kyle Lowry on three of eight shooting for only 10 points. It wasn't Pascal Siakam with only 10 points. A lot of people, you and I love Freddie Van Fleet, but two of seven from three is not going to get it done, Kev. Where is the offense going to come from Toronto, or are we just going to see more of the same? I mean, look, Freddie Van Vliet, we've given him credit, but I think he's lost himself some money during this series he's not a max player that's not a slight but that's a that's a very special tier to get to and i don't think he's in that tier kyle lowry for the entirety of his career was not a lead dog in the postseason and i think we've right. seen at times why that was the case scored 10 points in this game and you don't necessarily leave shocked at that result the nick nurse is puzzled as to what's happened to pascal siakam not had a lot of good games here in the bubble was a minus 25 in his 29 minutes of work and maybe a little bit of tire legs catching up to this team somewhat here, having to put in 45 minute shifts uh, to get themselves back to even before this game number five. But from the Celtics point of view, Dane, uh, you know, after five games yeah. here, they've been the better team to say that OG mm -hmm. and miracle shot saved their season is not a disrespect is not a stretch. It's what happened. The Celtics have had multiple games this series where they've dominated wire to wire. 
Yeah, absolutely. Once again, as we welcome in our radio audience from around the country, including, of course, out there on the West Coast with the mightier 1090. Thanks for waking up early with us. I got to agree with you, Kev. You know, like, let's look at Boston, right? And we have had this thesis for the entire time. At some point in games, in series, you are going to need to have that dude that you can give the ball to and be like, go get us buckets. And honestly, Kev... The Celtics have three. I honestly believe that with the ball in Jalen Brown's hands, with the ball in Jason Tatum's hands, with the ball in Kemba Walker's hands, they can go get that bucket. And then you got guys like these and Smart that are contributing as well. Six Celtics, Kev, in double figures in game five. Yeah, and here's the thing, though, right? They only had two guys off their bench score. This is exactly what right. we talked about when we entered this series. It's the top-end talent of Boston, even despite the Gordon Hayward injury, that can still carry them through. And Kemba Walker has been fantastic in this series. Uh, his assist prop has been one that if people have been going at consistently, it's treated them well. Jalen Brown finally stepped up in a big way in this spot. And they're able to then cover for Jason Tatum, who only gives you 18 points on 5 right. of 15 shooting and 1 of 5 from deep. And you have to know Tatum's got another 30-point performance likely in him somewhere and you compare that to the bench bench was real good for the toronto raptors they gave him for over 40 points of bench production but it wasn't enough yeah so so here's my question because i know in that over the other eastern conference series you don't have a ton of uh uh hope for the coaching Budenholzer and the adjustments that need to be made however all season long you have been talking about faith in nick nurse where does nick nurse go for here for game six well, this is the issue for Nick Nurse, is that he, that depth that was there cannot be relied on as heavily now. He does have to make the switch to playing his top-end guys. And that's why I, we've seen this. Depth does matter less and less and less as you continue on these rounds. Now, if you've got high-end pieces on your bench, that's a big credit. And Serge Ibaka's been really strong in his sure. minute. And Norman Powell's given them a couple of good shifts. But your, you know, Chris Boucher's, your Matt Thomas's, of the world who I know saw their minutes up, you know, increase because the game was just out of hand and nurses trying different things, but they're just not going to have that same impact. So I think he kind of has to hope that the only 29 minutes for Siakam and, and so on and so forth help these guys maybe get their legs back under them moving into game six. All right, we're off and running. We got another game to talk about when we come back right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here on to the early line on SportsGrid. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh, thanks for waking up early with us. Kev, we talked about one big-time game five that happened yesterday. There was another game in a series that, you know, changed the fortunes. A game three, a pivotal game between the Clippers and the Nuggets. And in this one, it was the Clippers that got the job done, 113-107. And I want to start with Paul George, Kev, because at the beginning, right, like last series against Dallas, everyone said, George needs to step up. Where is playoff P? Well, maybe he heard the echoes. Maybe the social media stuff got to him. Who knows? But he put forth an effort last night. 
32 points on 10 of 18 shooting, five of seven from three. We always talk about, you know, the big two, the big three, the closers, the clutch stars. If we have this version of Paul George, they are a lot different, Kev. It's almost like I've been saying this, you know, if it's this version of Jimmy Butler, if it's this version of Kristaps Porzingis, I'll say the same thing. If playoff P, quote unquote, is back there to be the Robin to Kawhi's Batman to this very deep defensive team, the Clippers are ready to go. Do you now believe in playoff P? No, absolutely not. Um, And in fact, um, I think if you're a Lakers fan, you should probably be pretty excited about these performances because I love how everything uh, has to be through the prism of the Lakers hopes. Even Clippers Nuggets. You're right. You're right. Or Rockets fans, <laughs> let's be fair. But if the Clippers advance and it's through Paul George, that's great. Because there's no way that's going to continue in the conference finals. But he was great. And I think more importantly, right, he had 27 through three quarters. He kept a minute. This could have got mm. out of hand in the way that game yeah. number two did. And he kept a minute. And the one thing about the Clippers, kind of, you know, what we're just talking about with the Raptors, is they do have multiple guys that in the stretch run, you do trust to step up and hit some big shots, right? Lou Will, if he, if you know, yeah. this is, you know, 10 points might be hard to say it's the Lou Will game, but he was a plus 20. So this might have been the Lou Will game, and he stepped up, certainly. Kawhi can close out any game uh, that you would ask of him. Mm-hmm. And PG was great. But the thing was, and I want to give the Clippers their credit, but I've just seen the Nuggets do this so many times. It's hard to tell. Is it just them or is it the Clippers defense? They scored two points in pretty much a four-minute stretch between the five-minute mark and the one-minute mark. That's unacceptable. It just is. The, the opportunity to go up 2-1 is invaluable against this Clippers team. And, you know, here we are again asking ourselves where the Nuggets offense go. Yeah, it's fair. I mean, but uh, Nikolai Jokic was certainly not to blame with his 32 points. I want to ask you, because Zubak was on him a lot of the game, fouled out, Harold there as well. What's the best way to play uh, Slim Jokic these days? They even showed on the telecast, right? Like the way he looked in November, then in March, right before the shutdown. And now, you know, it's almost like he's a different player. He was always skilled, could always pass. We understand all that, could always hit an outside shot. Is there any difference now to the way they're playing him? And does it matter if they go ahead and move on in the series? What's the difference with a guy like Zubak and a guy like Harold on Jokic? You know, the thing is, though, you kind of alluded to it there, is does it matter? And it almost does seem as if we are finding out what seemed to be true in the last round. Jokic is their best player. But what they get from Jamal Murray seems to be the deciding factor in what the Denver Nuggets are going to be. And this is where we talk about the leap. 5 of 17, 14 points. This is the kind of performance that if Jamal Murray gives you, you go, ah, man, I'd love to see him be better. But you don't lead shows with it you don't say can you believe this de- this disaster performance from jamal murray right we don't late you know it's not going to be playoff jay right? right in the same way if this was a paul george performance but he has to be better and the thing is we saw it last round he can be better yes he's mm-hmm. being met with incredibly high level perimeter defenders paul george held him to 0 of six from the field uh okay there Kawhi leonard of course they're going to throw at him along with patrick beverly He has to get his. If this team wants to advance in this round, and if Jamal Murray wants to solidify the leap it looked like he had made in round number one, this is an unacceptable performance from him. 
Hmm. And I wanted to ask you, because I asked you about defending Jokic. You bring up Murray. Here's another thing I'll say to push back on you, okay, though. The Nuggets had 12 turnovers as a team yesterday, Kev. Jamal Murray, only two of them, okay? So with the ball in his hands, the point of, that's okay. Uh, Jokic, however, had seven. Kev, that's why I think about the defense, right, with Harold versus Zubak. It's Jokic turning the ball over in the post. It's Murray was actually careful with the ball. I understand that he only gets 14 points. I understand that the shooting percentage wasn't lights out like we have seen from him before. But, you know, job one for him as the point guard is to take care of the ball, and he's at least doing that. It was Jokic that was careless with the ball. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, he had nine assists as well, Jamal Murray. You know, he yeah. was trying to create in other ways. And this is the danger, certainly, for the Clippers, where, you know, you can see them at times just completely lose focus. But they do have a lot of very high IQ defenders, and that's mm -hmm. where post touches become dangerous because they'll know when to double the post. They're long when they're doing it, and that is when they can create havoc. Yeah, so we will definitely see. We've got a big time game. Both games in the playoffs will, you know, be as these series go on, they are tight. Whether it's 3-2, whether it's 2-1, we will see. Some people believe that the zigzag theory so will happen when we see those games tomorrow. We do have two games in the NBA playoffs to preview on today's slate. The first one is the Heat and the Bucks. And Kev, we're going to get into it more after the break. But the headline story from this is, you know, the presumptive MVP going down again, right? He played in game four on what was a hobbled, sprained ankle. And then, you know, only a little while into the game, in the first half, he went down again. I've got a lot of questions for you about this. But as it, as it happens at times, the bench players, the role players, everyone kind of stepped up in game four, and they actually got a W in overtime, right? So... We'll talk about the details on the other side of the break. Kev, is Giannis going to be back? And, like, do they have zero chance without Giannis? Or do you expect kind of, like, all these other guys to start to realize that the pressure's on them and to deliver as they did in Game 4? If Giannis does not play, the Bucks will get ran out of the gym, is my belief, going okay. into Game number 5. Uh, I think the way that they stepped up is something that we've seen throughout the NBA all season long. Reason why, you know, people who could, you know, follow me on Twitter, I jumped on the Heat live, it's the playoffs. You didn't think the Heat would allow that to happen, but they went ice cold uh, in the fourth quarter. And then over time, uh, you know, aside from a couple of Tyler Hero made threes, they just had absolutely nothing going. But Chris Middleton played about as well as he could possibly play in the third yeah. quarter. You saw it in the fourth quarter, he didn't score. And then he carried him home in overtime. He did it overtime. I think this game could very well be ugly if. Giannis is unavailable. What's puzzling to me is the most recent report that I saw on Giannis's ankle is that there's optimism, that they believe yeah. it's at the same level that it was entering game number four. We played game number four, right? And mm -hmm. he played 11 minutes and had 19 points in those 11 minutes. He was a plus two in his action. He was real good. Now, we saw it got tweaked again, and that's obviously going to be the worry but I'm wondering here if the book maybe knows more than we do, because that's a very ambitious minus three that sits there next to the Miami Heat line. And I've also noticed that Giannis does not have points props listed or any props for that matter. 
That is interesting. You would think only the three-point favorite because it was more, right? We've seen this up at like around five, I believe. So you're right. Maybe they are thinking that Giannis, you know, we always like try to read the tea leaves on availability based on this. I want to ask you about this Giannis injury in a different light, though, Kevin. I want to think about it in a more long-term light, okay? Because we don't know about him long-term. And if he goes out there and re-aggravates it, there could be longer-term damage. And I wonder if that's in the calculus for Giannis or his team, you know, his entourage, the same way it was part of the calculus for Kevin Durant and the Warriors last year. You know, there was a point made about Grant Hill years back who was on something of a sprained ankle, decided to push it for his team in the playoffs that didn't have a lot left to play for. We're already down big in the series. He re injured his ankle and some people believe Grant Hill was never the same now Giannis has a long way ahead of him but he is you know the franchise player of this Milwaukee Bucks team Kev when we come back on the other side of the break I really want to ask you that do you think part of Giannis Giannis's agent Giannis's girlfriend and child's calculus is the idea that hey we may not be here for a while. We can't do any kind of permanent damage to this ankle because we are still an asset for the future. I want to get your short versus long-term thinking on it when we come back right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. With us on the mightier 1090, I'm Dane Martinez. I got my main man, Kevin Walsh, with me as well. Kev, what do you think about that? What do you think about that? The um, the, the short-term fortunes versus the long-term fortunes for Giannis? Do you think that factors into his calculus on availability for Game 5? So the problem is that Giannis was trying to get back into Game 4 for, much, for pretty yeah. much the entirety of Game 4. Because Giannis knows what's on the line. This is a legacy moment. Now, it's not something that he can't overcome, right? I mean, imagine if LeBron's time in Cleveland would have, you know, not allowed him to ascend to the levels that he has. That's not the case. I'm not even saying that Giannis has to leave. But what I'm saying is he can get over this. But right now, second year in a row, best record mm. in the league, potentially yeah. getting bounced again in somewhat disappointing fashion when you consider last year, they lost four in a row to Toronto. Now mm -hmm. possibly going to be eliminated in five in round number two as well. So we know Giannis is going to push it. And if you're Milwaukee, it's kind of hard to play long-term he's our guy when you don't know right. if that's necessarily true. Ultimately, though, you have to be cautious with any injuries just because that's the right thing to do. Yeah, no, absolutely. Definitely something we will watch. And again, Kevin made a great point, okay? Look to see if they offer any prop bets on Giannis as well. That may be a market to play in, and it also could be an indicator of if they know anything around Giannis's availability. Let's go to the other game tonight, Kev. We got the Lakers and the Rockets, and this is going to be interesting, all right? Because... Listen, we have talked before about this series. We know you are on Team LeBron, Team AD. We know your feelings about the Lakers. And going into this series, we haven't had a chance to talk about it, right, because the games were on when we were off over the holiday weekend. 
But Kev, going into this series, I mentioned that that 40% from three threshold was going to be a key for the Houston Rockets, right? Because the Rockets are going to play their game no matter what. We've talked about them being like the king of variance kind of team, right? And ironically, though, Kev, in game one, they shot under that threshold. You said they had a good game, though. You know, they were still getting buckets. They shot under that threshold, though. Still won the game in game one. Game two, they showed over the threshold, but lose. So the way we were looking as indicators for this series, at least for me on the Rocket side, has not happened. They are 0 for 2 in that vein. The series is 1-1. We've got game three tonight. Before we dig into any of the leans or any of the player props, what are you thinking? The Lakers are five-point favorites, and the total is at 224. Yeah, so I think, again, this is something that you and I, though, have disagreed on a little bit here as it pertains to the Houston Rockets. Um, mm-hmm. The the first game, I, I know they didn't shoot 40% scorch earth, but 36% on 39 attempts is still very good. And the 48% field goal percentage, when you consider almost half of their attempts are from three, was also very good. And James Harden was fantastic, a wildly efficient 36-point night from him. And we saw Westbrook be excellent. So they got very – it's not like they were poor in game one and one despite that. The Lakers' offense crumbled in the fourth. LeBron didn't score in the entire quarter. But the performance that they put forward in game number two is one that I think most people would, if they just blindly looked at the three-point numbers, would say, oh, yeah, the Rockets absolutely won the game. Shooting 41.5% on 53 attempts, they made 10 more threes than the Lakers. The, the winning percentage of teams that make 10 more threes than their opponent is outlandish. And the Rockets came out in the third quarter, scored 41 in the quarter. They made, their, they made eight of their first nine attempts from three in that quarter. Now, the Lakers' defense certainly left something to be desired to come out of the break, but it was unimaginable what the Rockets were doing. And for them to still lose because the Lakers were able to clamp down on them in the fourth quarter – I think is something that you and I, again, have gone back and forth on, is that this 40% three-point performance threshold for the Rockets just does not guarantee victory. No, it does not guarantee victory. You're right. But them also, we have evidence in game one of them being under the threshold does not guarantee a loss either, right? You know, they, they were under the threshold in game one, ultimately didn't lose. So we will see if that continues or if that maintains being a key threshold for the Rockets moving forward. I do want to ask you about one specific player here, Kev, because you have been all over this guy and this prop better and his PJ Tucker and his rebounds prop. Kev, have you seen, it's been at six and a half for the balance of the playoffs. They've moved it up, Kev. They've moved it up. The P.J. Tucker rebounds prop is now at seven and a half. But now to go over it is even money at plus 100. Are you going to push your luck with your P.J. Tucker prop? Or are you worried about the whammy in game three? So it's funny, but we talked about entering this series. We wanted to see right? how much did it have to do with the situation that was going on there in Oklahoma City versus this series here now. And game one's nine rebounds was good, but I'm like, ah, that's not overwhelming. And then he responds with a double-double. And by the way, like, P.J. Tucker going to have double-doubles is like 11 to 1. So that's a (laughs) tremendous performance from P.J. And now that's the thing. Again, they can only move the number so high. But I think if you break it down into its simplest form, if I were to tell you that a starting center 
who's going to play near 40 minutes a night, has a rebound prop of six and a half or seven and a half, you're just almost going to blindly bet that over. And that's the case for P.J. Tucker. He's the starting center, you know, who got 34 minutes, had 11 rebounds, and this is what he's now been doing for the last seven some odd games in a row. Yeah, we have seen it. And as we talk about on these shows, you know, you, you ride a trend as long as it takes because it'll only break once. Kevin, you have been all over the P.J. Tucker rebounds prop for the playoffs. And it doesn't seem like there's a reason to hop off of it because not only has he been going over six and a half, he's been going over seven and a half with his time on the floor and the role he plays for this small ball team. Kev, there's another prop market I want to ask you about in this game. Uh, the prop is to record a triple-double. I was on this market a little bit with Luca and the Mavericks Clippers series. And I got to ask you, this is weird to me. LeBron James is plus 175 to record a triple double, right? Gotcha. There's another man in this series, Kev, who has averaged a triple double multiple seasons, Kev. And to record the feat in one game. LeBron James is plus 175 to do this. Kev, Russell Westbrook is 21 to 1 to record a triple-double. Um, tell me why. Is that Lakers defense? Is that Russell different since he's been back? What's the case here, bro? I mean, he might be looking at double-digit minutes after the way that he played in game number two. Uh, he was terrible. And, yeah, and but at 21 to just... 1, is that not a live bet, though, still? On any individual game? 21 to 1 is obviously tough to turn down, but Westbrook's not been the same when he got to Houston. He didn't average eight rebounds. He didn't average eight assists. That's far off from the triple double average. Since he's come back, and here's where, you, you know, the rebounds, he had nine in the first game, and he had 13 in the second. The points are assumed, even though he only had 10 points in the last game, but the points sure. are assumed. He had sure. six assists in game one and four assists in game two. And you go all the way back in the three games that he played against Oklahoma City. And thus far, his postseason high is seven. He doesn't have the ball enough. And, and that's mm. the issue. It's just not in his hands. Is it possible? Sure. But you take a look at what Westbrook's been, especially in game number two. I mean, the ball might be in his hands even less. I will tell you this, though. With the way he shot, he might be very passive in game mm. number three. And that gives you a better chance. Hard to argue against bets that are 21 to 1, right? Right. You only got to hit them <laughs> once every 21 times. So I, I totally get the, the reason there. But I wouldn't tell you that the market is off with how they're pricing it. He's not come close yet. All right, no, that is fair. And remember, Kevin has mentioned something that is also very important when we're talking about sports investing, right? He's saying it's not going to happen, but at the same time can say it still could represent some value because of the potential, because of the EV over time. Kev, one other question I do want to ask you about this game, and it lies in the total. It lies in the total of 224. How has this been going? My thesis, Kev, has been that as we get further and further along in the playoffs, things get tighter. We see less transition basketball. We see more half-court basketball. We see sphincters get a little tight as well, and we see more unders. Is that crazy for me to think 224 is the number in this one? It's not crazy for you to think, but where you can really take advantage of it is in the live market. Take a look at these quarters, 56, 62, 64, and then what do you get in that fourth quarter, Dane? 
44 points. That's yeah. kind of that that's what you're talking about, though. Is that in a tight game late? We've seen this throughout the entire postseason. This does get tight, okay? And yeah. that is where you can really take advantage because they have to move these numbers up right throughout the course of the game and that's also why you have to be cautious betting full game totals usually uh first Mm. quarter over first half overs people might say ah you're getting cute there listen that is might be the way to play these games because it might be living far too dangerous to, to expect these teams to get the job done over the course of a full game no i like that and also even over the course of a game it'll tighten up Right. So the idea, because like when it's if it's still a three point game with six minutes left to go, then all of a sudden it gets tight. It looks like the damn all star game. Right, Kev? It could be wide open. But then when the when it's clutch time, everyone's like, oh, let's play for real. Let's slap the court. Let's play some defense. So definitely something to watch, Kev. We got to turn our attention to baseball because we've blinked. And now there's less than 20 games left in the regular season. And with eight teams making the playoffs in each league, there are some very interesting takeaways from the MLB standings, from some important series that are on the horizon. And we will look at it when we come back on the early line. It's Dave Martinez and Kevin Walsh. We look at Major League Baseball up next on the early line as we go into fall. Only like a couple of weeks left, Kev. Are the Yankees in trouble? We'll discuss that next. Hey, Brian. Can you hear me, Brian? This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You can catch him early in the morning on the early line, later in the day on in-game live. This guy helps you have profitable days stacked up on each other. But Kev, we have to turn our attention to Major League Baseball. And for a while, baseball was the only thing you were watching. You were setting your alarm early to watch KBO, goodness gracious. Now we are jam-packed. And Kev, Kev. As we look at the standings, and you may think we knew this was going to be a condensed season, right? We heard about the trading deadline passing already. But I got to tell you the truth, Kev. Now with the NBA playoffs going on, the buzz around football starting, right? We got we got majors in golf and tennis. We got ponies racing. You can almost forget, Kev, that there's less than 20 games left until we hit the Major League Baseball playoffs. And quite frankly, It's tightening up, and I want to ask you specifically, Kev, about the two prohibitive favorites in the American League going into the season because right now the Houston Astros trail the Oakland A's, and right now the New York Yankees trail the Toronto Blue Jays and the Tampa Bay Rays, and the Blue Jays just got it done 12-7 against them yesterday, coming back with a 20-run sixth inning. I joke about this with you before kev what is your level of concern with the new york yankees when i asked you this last week you were like now we'll see what happens when we're awake on tuesday well it is now tuesday kev there's less Mm -hmm. than 20 games left and they're only a game and a half clear of the eighth and final playoff spot in the american league yeah look the thing is i'm not just gonna come on here ignorant be like ah everything's fine no the reason why i thought things would be okay is they were playing the baltimore orioles and they were going to be able to create that distance. 
And then they lost three out of four to the Baltimore Orioles. <laughs> and then and then bounced back with what looked like the first time in a long time their bats woke up and had a, uh, an inning where the Blue Jays scored 10 against them. And they lost the game 12-7. Yankees are struggling in a big way, in a very, very big way. And we can talk about, you know, what they might look like if slash when some people return, but it is pointless. And to be fair, the only reason that I have maintained that level of confidence in the Yankees is, you know, the teams that sit below them, the Orioles, Mariners, Tigers. I mean, these are supposed to be the worst teams in baseball. And even though this is obviously a season that has its variants, you would like to still think that over the course of a 60, a team with the Yankees talent would pull away from a team with the Orioles talent. But there are two issues to that. The first is, well, they just played the Orioles and again lost three out of four. But the bigger point is something that you could see over the weekend. It's just not the same Yankees team. And the excuses go out the window. But just look, Judge, Stanton, yeah. Glaber, Gary got benched. Gio Arcella yeah. isn't there. I mean, it is name after name after name not available for this team. I didn't think we'd still be waiting on some of these guys to be back at this point. And we are. And the Yankees are throwing out an exhibition minor league lineup. And it's hurting them. It absolutely is. And you say over the course of 60 games, you know, the cream will rise to the top. Well, we've only got like 19 left, Kev. And you talk about these teams behind them. And, you know conceptually, I agree with you, Kev. It's the Baltimore Orioles, the Seattle Mariners, the Detroit Tigers, literally the dregs of the American League. But, you know, Seattle's won six in a row, Kev. Baltimore's won three in a row. And as I mentioned, it is really only a game and a half or two, you know, kind of with 19 left to play. Everything is still on the table. I want to ask you about the Houston Astros as well. Okay, because they were big time favorites, runaway favorites, Kev, some may even say, but the Oakland A's shut them out yesterday and they have a double header today. You would say that's twice the opportunity for the Astros to make up some ground, but it's also twice the opportunity for them to fall by the wayside. What's your level of concern? We talked about it with the Yankees. What about the Houston Astros? Now, technically, in their division, they are the second place team, so they don't have the complication of the Blue Jays even further hurting the Yankees. But, you know, Seattle is kind of right there. So talk to me about your level of concern for the Astros vis-a-vis what you just said about the Yankees. Yeah, I I would say I'm a little bit more concerned about the Astros. I'm not concerned about the Astros, but I think the Astros are maybe in a bit bit more of a difficult position because of the nature of this five-game losing streak. They just lost a four-game set against the Angels clean that's ridiculous like to the point mm-hmm. where you know i'm kind of taking a look at you like hey you think our angels are live here pal because we were both pretty excited <laughs> about this team right into the season and you've mentioned it the strohs and the yankees sit there with the exact same record now i understand that if the astros get the second spot they're secure but the gap between them and the mariners is two games the gap between the yankees and the orioles is a game and a half surely that half game does not all of a sudden mean that the astros but oh all right, that was close. Right. No, listen, they're in a bad spot right now. And, you know, the Yankees against the Blue Jays is still a more favorable matchup than having to play the Oakland Athletics. And that's, again, again, it's not a slight to the Blue Jays. It's a credit to the team 
with the second best record uh, in the American League. So for me, I just look at this from the Astros' perspective, and it is concerning. But I'm also saying the same thing about the Yankees because you just didn't think it'd be this tight at this point in the year. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and so that's why I started this with, you know, we are under 20 games left and everybody who conceptually can be like, yeah, I'm not worried. It'll work itself out. That may be true. But time is ticking for that to happen. Kev, if we're standing in the same place like this time next week with another seven or eight games off the schedule, I really think the sky will have a lower altitude. It will start falling. On the National League side, though, Kev, there are two teams that I think you and I have both been watching as they've gotten hot, as they now occupy the second place in their respective divisions. Kev, you've been on Philly. I've been talking about San Diego. And both of those teams continue continue their winning ways you see the standings right here in the nl east where the phillies are hot they have won seven of their last three and kev i think they get lucky because they also have a doubleheader today but theirs is against the lowly red Sox. they have closed the gap to only two games behind atlanta we've talked about division markets before this is and their schedules we know they both have relatively soft schedules but i like the phillies with a double header against boston who everyone knows has pretty much sold off the season here's the thing about the phillies now in their position as it uh you know relates to the atlanta braves the four games in hand if the phillies yeah. win all four of those games we're now, tied that's not an easy thing to do but they then have the exact same record as the Atlanta Braves. That's right. incredible that they've come all the way back to this point where there is genuine pressure on this Atlanta Braves team who all year has been priced as the second best team in the National League and still are priced in that manner to potentially take a division crown off of them. You can't say enough good things about what the Philadelphia Phillies have been able to do over the last three weeks of baseball. Yeah, and I can't say enough good things, Kev, about what the San Diego dads have done over the last month or so as well. You and I were on this team early on. Fernando, show me your Tatis Jr., Manny Machado going off. But Kev, the big news, right, was what they did at the trading deadline. And their big acquisition, Mike Clevenger, is on the mound for the Padres today. Didn't get a win in his first outing. But listen, they won one nothing yesterday against the Colorado Rockies. Jerks and Profar with a game-winning RBI late in that one. It is an era of happy feelings down there in San Diego. They remain hot, Kev. They have Colorado, who has sort of cooled off, just like Charlie Blackman has. Do the Padres keep it going and continue their threat and their chase of the Dodgers in the NOS? This is a very, very big game for the Padres because you want to see what Clev has. You yeah, want you to Clev. see him step up in a big way here because when we think about teams that can challenge in the National League, if you can say, I've got Paddock and Clevenger is my one-two yep. and I trust it, no doubt about it, that is a big, big spot there. So I think laying the run and a half is a lot more palatable at minus 126 opposed to the 245 there on the money line. And they are going up against the guy who has a Hall of Fame name in Chi-Chi Gonzalez. All right, absolutely. So here's the deal. I think that the Padres are going to be 
a very intriguing team. And Kevin, you mentioned this, right? The idea that they can then run out Paddock and Clevenger because we are going to be in the playoffs in that first round in tight three-game series. You know what I always look at, Kev? I look at the idea of can these top-line starters really just win you a game? And I know, Kevin, you've made the point that pretty much almost everyone in the playoffs is going to have that, right? Like at any, at this point in the NBA playoffs, everybody should have a closer and a clutch guy that can get you a bucket. It's almost required at that level of the playoffs. But, yes, Paddock and, of course, Clevenger will be strong. I mean, Denilson Lament, who pitched yesterday for the pod, struck out a ton. And they won one nothing, so he is capable of that kind of performance on any given day as well. Kev, we will continue to monitor Major League Baseball as it, it sounds crazy, but the stretch run for the playoffs is here. And like we said, with eight teams left, you know, eight teams qualifying for the playoffs, it is going to be tight. The other thing that is here is the NFL season. And when we go to hour number two, it is going to be all NFL. We are going to get you caught up on all the news and notes from over the weekend. And there were a ton as cut down day happened over the weekend. So a lot of new faces in new places. We'll get you covered on that. We'll have our guy Davis Maddock join the show as well. Thinking about everything from season long props to some DFS plays and a season preview. But Kev, before we go football because we don't stay on football for a while right football is here and i'm excited about it i do want to congratulate dustin johnson dustin johnson we talk about golf all the time kev we thought it was ironic that dustin johnson was starting last week with like minus 10 as cam our guy explained to us the strategy and the scoring for the final week of the fedex cup dustin johnson gets the job done guys like uh Justin Thomas, John Rahm, Xander Shoffley were nipping at his heels in the final round, but Johnson does, in fact, get it done. Gretzky's daughter out there hugging him at the end. Dustin Johnson, we tip our cap here at the early line. He is the FedEx champion. Look, it's been a lot of fun to, you know, continually cover um, golf with Cam. And, and DJ's had quite the run when you think about it. There's been a lot of times that we were, you know, previewing tournaments, and Cam's like, yeah, listen, it's uh, free range. At any point you want to fade DJ, match up best, right. miss the cut, go for it. The guy's a disaster. And then over this past couple of weeks, I mean, he has just been on another level. And we all, you know, we know right, Dane, the, the strokes lead that he had going in to the tour mm-hmm. championship. The fact of the matter is he had the third best score of the weekend. He was dominant in every way imaginable. And just an incredibly impressive run to close that thing out by DJ. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to reset the deck here now, okay, Kev, as it turns to our golf coverage, insights, and information here as you try to help everybody on SportsGrid get the edge, right? We are still going to have Cam join our show regularly. He talks hockey as well. We're kind of a week off on golf as everyone, you know, takes a little bit of a breath because the major Uh, The U.S. Open is still on the horizon. The Masters after that, we're going to have what they are advertising as the super season in the PGA Tour. They're going to have six majors because they got to have both of them. A huge year of golf as one ends, another one kind of starts on the horizon along with six majors technically in next year's golf season. So we'll be really excited for that. We'll continue to have Cam on. And on this network, we bring in the pros, a la Steve Elkington, to help us with our golf handicapping. There's other majors going on. There's a major going on in our fair city, Kevin. The U.S. Open tennis tournament is happening in New York. And we got to talk about why the best player in the world 
world isn't there anymore. We do that when we come back here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back, everybody, right here onto the early line. I'm Dane Martinez, my main man, Kevin, the candle burner, Walsh, burning it at both ends, giving you what you need to have profitable days and nights and getting the edge on Sports Grid. Kev, a lot of people now have dead money in the U.S. Open on the tennis side because the number one player in the world, the number one seed, Novak Djokovic, is gone. He was disqualified, Kev, because... I guess, you know, a point didn't go his way, took the ball, smacked it towards the back, and it hit the lines judge, Kev, and it hit the woman in the throat, Kev. She went down, was gasping. It was clearly unintentional, right? A little bit of just offhanded frustration. He went over, apologized, and then you saw a back and forth. He was like, you know, dock me a game, dock me a set, don't DQ me. But the decision was made, and that is the letter of the law, Kev. So Novak Djokovic is out of the U.S. Open. I can attest to this, Kev. I used to be a ball boy for the U.S. Open, and those balls are flying fast and furious. You got to keep your head on a swivel. I don't think Novak intended anything, but the rule is the rule. Yeah, I think this is a scenario where a lot of people had uh, comments who don't often watch tennis. Um, that's kind of what I gathered from the situation. Like, you ever go to a friend's house uh, who says no, no, no shoes in the house, and you're like, "What? Why is that a thing?" But everybody who you know lives in the house is like, eh, "No, this is what we do. We take our shoes off." Kind of feels like how right. this was with tennis. A lot of people showed up to the house and didn't understand why their shoes needed to be off, and that's Djokovic getting tossed out of this tournament. Or people who actually follow tennis are like, yeah, no, that's that's what happens. These are the that's a disqualification. The play right. by. <laughs> and I mean, there were, I mean, there were other tennis players who were like, I would have been banned for years, many many years, had that been me. So right. no, and and in fact, there was kind of a from what I understood, almost um, some satisfaction not in seeing him DQ'd, but seeing the highest level players actually held to that same standard that they believe they would have uh... been had it been them in that spot. No, I think that's an interesting point, Kev, right? Because as we see in other sports, it's like, oh, the Jordan rules, right? Or whatever. The fact that it was adjudicated in the same way, even in that high leverage situation, even with the number one player in the world, goes to the kind of consistency of the rules themselves. So I think that is a great point that you make. And Kev, you know, the future's odds now on the men's side. A lot different with Medvedev and Dominic Thiem as now the favorites to win the men's side of the U.S. Open. Well, I told you before, Kev, our number two was going to be football. Our number two, when we come back, Kevin, like I'm not even joking anymore. It's like it's week one. It is week one of the NFL season. On any Tuesday moving forward, we'd be talking about the following week in the short term because there's an NFL game in two days, and we're in that situation. So let's talk about it. Hour two of the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.